nominations for people to serve on the search committee. They'll take them this week and then again next week. And so if you've not filled out a ballot, you can put one name on it. You can put 10 names on it um, of, of folks you think would um, be qualified to serve on that search committee. And so then the search committee can, um, once it's formed, can get on with business of, of interviewing Brother Johnny and then go from there. And so um, um, make that happen. All right, Luke, um, chapter 17, we'll read about um, the first 10 verses. Jesus says to his disciples, These things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone whom, through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing and looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done things that you were told to do, should, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I just ask that again today you'll use it to um, touch our hearts, to change our lives. That Father, we will again realize who you are and um, how gracious you are. That Father, we'll come to the understanding that Father, all we need, you have already. Father, I just pray today if somebody um, is sitting here today, and Father, this would be the day that the Holy Spirit would just convict them of sin. If today would be the day they'd come to the understanding that they need to come forward and acknowledge that um, it's time for them to repent of sin, that Father, Jesus stands open with um, forgiving arms, waiting. Father wants to love them into the kingdom. Father, today, just um, use this time as you see fit. Use it to help us become the people you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, every day we encounter people. Um, every day you run into somebody. Every day there's people you run into that um, you know. And it's the first time you've seen them in a day or a week or a month. And then there's other times you run into people that you don't have any idea who they are. You might be here this morning and um, we've got guests with us. And you're looking over there and saying, I don't have a clue who that person is. But after church, you're going to go talk to them. And so when you go over to talk to them, you're going to need something to say. And so you're going to um, initiate something called small talk. Now, small talk, it's been around for a long time, but the, the one safe subject on small talk has always been the weather. Because anybody can talk about the weather. Y'all know if it's sunshining or raining or weather. And everybody has an opinion on it. It's too hot. It's too cold. It rained too much last week. It didn't rain enough last week. And so it's easy to have that conversation and, um, you know, establish some common point that you can talk about. Now, let me just give you a couple pointers on small talk. Religion and politics, no. You know, that's two things that, that's not good for small talk. You probably don't need to have those conversations the first time you meet somebody. 
because I'm just telling you, any remark about either of those subjects can cause some hostility before you um, even got to know who the people were. And so avoid those subjects. But there's other safe topics. And, and I was thinking about other safe topics for small conversation and small talk and that kind of stuff. And the price of gas. That's a pretty safe topic. Yeah, I mean, you know, and hey, um, how you doing? Did you, you notice that gas went up against two cents again today? It's been going up two cents every day for the last week. Well, yeah, I noticed that. When do you think it's ever going to um, stop? I mean, you know, that's a safe subject. You know, and then sometimes it's on the reverse. Like, hey, I, I saw gas went down 10 cents this week. And, and so, I mean, it's a safe subject. And, and so, and some of you, and, and I know some of you are going to deny it, but, but for some of you, um, the price of gas is important. The price of gas is important, and, and I know it really happens, and, and so don't laugh because it bothers you what it costs, because I've done it, so I'm, I'm talking about us, not just me and not just you, but us, but you, it's been falling every day, you know, and, and you, you know when, it, when we hit one of them cycles and it was this price and this price, and, and you're watching your gas gauge, and man, you say, well, some of you have them little gas gauges that tell you, 113 miles to empty, 90 miles to empty. I have a son that he can tell you his will say zero miles to empty because then he has to run over the house and get a gallon of gas and put it so he can go to the store and get gas. But, but, but you know, you know, and so when, it, when it's falling, that's what you try to do. You know, well, I can wait one more day. I don't get gas today on the way to work. I'll wait till tomorrow. And you're trying to wait because you want to save them a few pennies. And other times you've been on the other end of the scale. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been there. Gas is going up eight cents a day. You know, and, you know, well, I ain't got but a half a tank, but I better go ahead and top it off before it goes up another eight cents. And, and so we do that. But, you know, th those are safe topics, and, and it's fun. And I, I guess I want to use that analogy this morning. There's no such thing as a perfect analogy, but, but I, I want to use the analogy today of starting about talking about a gas tank because a gas tank, and it doesn't have to be a gas tank. You could have diesel, okay? Uh, so it could be a fuel tank. Maybe I need to say fuel tank. But, you know, you, you've got the fuel tank, and, and you start to use it. And, and as your car uses it, the leveling, it goes down and down and, and, and little by little. And if you're like me, you're hoping by the time it gets to the point that you have to refuel, that you have to put some more in the tank, that the price has gone down a little bit. And so, you know, when, when I think about that, sometimes I think that's the way we treat our relationship with God. We think our, we treat our relationship with God as that, as that fuel tank, as that gas tank. And, you know, to some extent, we, we have times, well, you have those times, when you know that you're spiritually low, that your tank is low, that, you know, your faith tank is kind of down, and, and a lot's going on, and you, and, and, and you just know that you need to refill, and that you need to stop and refill it. And, and then there's other times that maybe today will be one of those days that the preacher will preach an inspiring sermon and you'll, your tank will be full and you'll all be pumped up and excited or, or, or you really liked um, the music this morning. And did, did y'all see Carlton over there? That, that guy's amazing. At one point, he's got one hand over here reaching and playing and the other hand over here playing on two different pianos at one time. I, I just, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, but God has given us some... So maybe that impressed you this morning. It impressed me. And so you're all filled up. And, or you went to summer camp and you came back and, boy, it was a great week. And you're pumped up or you're going... You, like the guys that left it a minute ago, we're going on a mission trip. And you come back and you got to share the plan of salvation and somebody got saved. And so, you, man, and your tank is so full, you think you will never need any more. You could just last forever on your spiritual tank. And, 
And so we, we have those days in life, and we, we, we think that way. Now, look, analogies are, are always dangerous because faith is not like a gas tank that constantly needs to be topped off. And, and, and the church is not the gas station where you go to, to get it topped off. But, but as I thought about that, and I thought about the early disciples, and I realized they didn't have gas tanks, they didn't have cars. But, but you know, I, I thought about that. I think that's what they thought. I really think when I read this passage, that's exactly what our disciples were thinking about. And so, you know, when you get to verse 5, look, look at verse 5. In verse 5 it says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. See, the disciples were a lot like us because, you know, they felt that if they had more faith, if they just, just had more faith, they could be better disciples. And we think like that sometimes. We, we often think like that, and we look at our life, and we're not pleased with exactly where it's going, and we're not pleased exactly the way we're living it, and, and the way everything is, and we just sense that we could be doing better, and, and we say to ourselves, if only, if only I had more faith, then I could be a better disciple. If only I had more faith, I'd be a better Christian, and we say to God the same things the disciples said to Jesus, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Now, before I look at Jesus' response to the disciples, I, I, I just want to go back, and, and we read those first ten verses, and they kind of seem disconnected the first time I read them. They probably seem disconnected the first two or three times I read them. And, and I'm not sure when I read that whole section, those ten verses, they... At times they seem like to be a hodgepodge of, of, of Jesus' teaching. And I don't know whether Luke um, took several different teaching points from Jesus and put them together or, or whether they actually occurred the way that they show up in Scripture. But I know this, it really doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit led Luke to record this. And so he had them recorded in the order that he wanted them in. So, so there's a reason they're in that order and that's good enough to me. And if you read Luke's account just before this, he, he tells the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, and, and the parable teaches us that we need to have sincere compassion for all people. And now he gets down to, to, to verse 1 of, of chapter 17, and, and Jesus continues to talk about the responsibilities we have as disciples, because that's what it says. It says, Jesus said to his disciples... So Jesus said this to the church, to believers, to us. He said, Jesus said to his disciples things that cause people to sin are bound to come. He says, that's going to happen. He says, people are going to sin, and, and that's going to happen. And, you know, he said, that's going to be part of life. And so he says, but woe to the person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Jesus says, look, sin is serious. Christ is warning about the seriousness of sin, and he says, you are responsible for your actions. You're responsible for your words. You're responsible for your behavior. And it's a very serious thing because of your actions, because of your behavior, because of what you say or what you do to cause someone else to sin. He says, I'll tell you how serious it is, because then in the third verse, he says, so watch yourselves. He said, this is something that, you know, can happen, and so watch yourselves. And I read that passage, and when I read it the first time, I say, that's right, um, God's going to get them folks that lead other people to sin. God's going to, I mean, you know, them people that are doing bad things and making other people say, oh, God. But I very seldom read it and says, I'm that person. 
we, we read that passage and we know exactly who it is that is a deacon in the church and is doing something he isn't supposed to. And, oh, look at um, Brother Joe and, and Sister. And, and, and we've got those people in mind and we know that's who this verse is talking about. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, watch yourselves. He says, you and me and everybody else. And he says, we all need to watch ourselves. Because when we sin, it's serious. And God takes sin seriously. And God says when we sin, it can have bad repercussions on other people. And that's not good. So he says, we better watch ourselves. And then he just kind of continues. And look, there's a hundred ways for that to happen. Open mouth, insert foot. I mean, that's probably, you know, there's lots of ways this happens. But he says, watch yourself. And then he continues, and he says, if your brother sins, so that's an another implied that it's going to happen. He says, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times he comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Well, that's a slightly different topic. I mean, you know, now Jesus is reminding us that we, we need to be accountable. He says, because your brother's going to sin, and you're going to need somebody to hold your brother accountable, and you're going to sin, and you're going to need a brother to hold you accountable. And, and, you know, and, and so that's important. And he says, it's going to happen. And he says, you correct them in love, not because you're better than them. He said, don't, don't think that for a minute. But he says, you correct them because it's the right thing to do if you're going to help a brother. And, and so he says, it's serious. And then he says, we're all in need of forgiveness. And we all need to be forgiven. And look, I can't say enough about the importance of showing grace and mercy to others. And grace and mercy are something that we are always grateful when they come our way. But sometimes we're kind of slow in giving grace and mercies to other people when, when maybe they have sinned or they've wronged us. or they, we, we just we're not quite as quick to um, jump out there and do it. But he says, look, he says seven times. And can you imagine somebody doing something to you seven times in one day? <laughs> I just suspect by the time it happened a third or fourth time, that's the end of it, folks. But he says, no, he says, as long as they come back and repent, he says, you, you forgive. And, and, and it's hard for us. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of definitions out there for grace and mercy and that kind of stuff. But the reality is, folks, grace is simply um, giving something that is not deserved. And I can just tell you, in my life, that is a long list. <laughs> that's a long list on multiple fronts. It's a long list on... Um, uh, on, on God's front, it's a long list on a lot of other people because a lot of other people have given me something that I didn't deserve. But you think about that. I mean, the, the, the big items, forgiveness and salvation and heaven. and You know, those are all things that none of us deserve, but God has given to us. God has graciously given. And then we get to mercy, and mercy is not giving someone what they deserved. And praise God for mercy. <laughs> you know, praise God for mercy because that, that means that I don't have to... Um, um, deal with God's wrath and, and, and God's punishment and, and, and then I'm not going to go to hell. All things I deserve, but, but I'm not going to have to deal with because God had mercy on me. And he says as a Christian, he says we need to be quick to show grace and mercy to others. So, so Jesus has been talking about some pretty heavy stuff here. And if you're one of his disciples and, and you're there and Jesus has been teaching and, and, and you're thinking about all this and he says, man, he says, 
We need to be careful about the way we live our life and not sin. And, and we need not to be a stumbling block. And then, you know, all this stuff about forgiving and forgiving um, um, people, even when they, they do it seven times in one day. And, you know, and it's, it's all. And, and so I can almost see the disciples as Jesus is preaching and, and, and talking to Well, I mean, they, they're just kind of the, the load's getting heavy on their shoulders and they're kind of going down. And I mean, he said, man, we got to do all that stuff. We, we, we got to do all that stuff. And so. The disciples, the disciples at that point after they hear that, so then verse 5 shows up. And they say, increase our faith. In, in, increase our faith. As if they're saying, Jesus, look, we're, we're, we understand what you've been teaching about this, this forgiveness. And we understand about sinning. And we understand about it. We understand. But look, he, he says, we're, we're not going to be able to do all this if you don't give us enough faith, he says, we don't have enough faith to cover all that stuff, so you're going to have to give us some more. Jesus, give us some more faith so that we'll be able to do it. And I, I think sometimes we're kind of like the disciples. We feel that way. <laughs> we can kind of understand where the disciples are coming from. That seems like a reasonable request. God, okay, I understand all this stuff that I'm supposed to do as a follower, as a Christian. And, and so if, 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 I, if that's what you expect me to do, then, God, you've got to increase my faith. But Jesus... <laughs> Jesus kind of comes back and he, he, he answers like this. He says, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Now, I don't think that's the answer that the disciples were waiting on. <laughs> I can assure you if I'd have been in that situation, that's not the answer. I'd have waited for Jesus to come over and lay hands on me, brother. Lay hands on my brother and pray for me. I mean, increase you. I'd have thought Jesus would have been over there. Look, I, help me out, Jesus, here. But he, he doesn't say any of that. I mean, when, when you, we expected to hear Jesus come pray for him. But Jesus answers almost sarcastically here. And if you go to the original language, if you go back to the Greek, what Jesus is actually telling them, guys, you already have faith. <laughs> he already has faith. Uh, I, I wrote this paraphrase, and this is just a Howard paraphrase. But it says, you know, he says, you you. You do have faith, and even if it's small, you can do great things. That's what Jesus tells them. He says, in, they, they're asking Jesus to increase my faith, and Jesus says, now look, you've got faith. Even if it's small, you can do great things with it. And Jesus looks at him and says, look, you already have faith, you silly disciples, just you aren't using it. Now, that's not what, the way you expected that conversation to go, but that's what Jesus does. And I think sometimes in my life, that's exactly what God does. God looks at me and I say, God, i got to have some more faith. i got to have something. And God says, look, you already have faith. Just use it. You, you already got to just use it. I mean, you know, the disciples, I truly believe, were asking for the wrong thing. They didn't need to increase their faith. They needed to increase their faithfulness. Now, listen, there's a huge difference there. The disciples didn't need to increase their faith. They need to increase their faithfulness. I mean, that, that, there's a huge difference there. And they didn't need more of anything. They needed to use what they already had. That's what Jesus tells them. That's what Jesus tells them. He, you know, faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God, and we get faith, and the Holy Spirit resides in us, and God gives us the amount of faith we need, and, and it never runs out. And to, to ask God to increase our faith is almost an insult. It's almost like going to God and saying, God, you just don't know what's going on in my life. 
God, you didn't know I'm about this crisis, and, and you didn't know about, about this bill, unexpected, my air conditioner broke, and you didn't know about that, and God, you didn't know that, that my wife was going to get sick, and God, you didn't know about this, and you didn't know that I was going to have back trouble, and I was going to have eye trouble, and God, you didn't know I was going to have all these things, and since you didn't know about that, I mean, you need to come on and, and now and give me some more faith now that I've got all these things, and do we really believe that? No. God knows everything about all of us. So God knew exactly how much faith you needed. <laughs> and so the disciples come to him and say, increase my faith. And he declines. He declines to no. You don't need any more faith. He said, you need to use the faith that you have. Faithfulness is defined as being loyal and obedient to the person that you put your trust in. Well, I'm just here to tell you, folks, <laughs> we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it means that we have to be faithful to Him. You know, my, I'm in a Tuesday night um, small group Bible study, and this last Tuesday night, um, I, you know, they never know what's, what I'm going to preach on anything. We don't talk about that. But this, this last Tuesday night, they talked about this subject. Now, I'm convinced none of them knew they talked about this subject. None, They didn't know they were going to make this morning's message. But they, 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 they talked about this subject. Now, they never used the word um, faith. They never used the word um, increase my faith. They never talked about faithfulness. You know, they talked in our Bible study, we talked about follow. Jesus repeatedly, John Buxton, he's a facilitator for that group for a week or two now. Every day he's been sending us these little texts, and it's a scripture passage that, um, where Jesus said to somebody, follow me. This week we were talking about Matthew, the tax collector, where Jesus walks up and says, follow me. Jesus does not walk up to Matthew and say, Matthew, now here's the deal. As soon as your faith gets to level four, you can follow me. And Matthew didn't say, well, Jesus, my faith is on level one. <laughs> Jesus says, follow me, and Matthew followed Jesus at whatever level of faith that was at. That's what Jesus tells all of us. <laughs> Jesus, says, Jesus says, be faithful. Jesus says, follow me. He says, you know, the, the reality is, folks, Jesus never calls anyone to do anything that Jesus has not equipped them to do. It's not follow me when you get enough faith. It's follow me with the faith you have. When we accept Jesus as Savior, we put our faith in Him. So if you're here today and you're a Christian and you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you have put your faith in Him. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you agree to be faithful to Him. So he says, as a believer, he says, the faith is there. The question is, is whether you'll be faithful. The question is whether you'll follow. Jesus, you know, needs us. Jesus wants us. Jesus desires that he be both our Savior and Lord. We, we can't go to Jesus and say, um, thanks, Jesus, for dying for me. I really appreciate it. I'll see you later. But I think sometimes that's the way Christianity is taken. You know, but that, that's not what we, we, you know, we, when we accept salvation, we die that day. When we accept salvation, we die that day. We are no longer who we were. We went from being a sinner headed for hell to being a saint headed for heaven. We went from being 
a lost person to being a saved person. I mean, that's what it means. when we, The moment we ask Jesus Christ and we said, we trust you, we have faith in you, that's what it means. And he says, at, at our baptism, literally, he says, we're, we're resurrected into a new person and we no longer live for ourselves, we live for Jesus Christ. And it says, as, as a follower, as a believer, as a Christian, he says, we no longer live for ourselves. We give our life over to God. We give our entire life over to God. And we say to God, God, here I am. Use me as you want. And God says, okay. And he's already placed faith in you. And then he says, use the faith to be faithful. He says, trust me. That's what it comes down to. And as humans... We tend to make excuses. I, I'm just telling you, um, I've made them, you've made them, we've all made them. And, yeah, and we make them with God, too. I, I'm not ready yet, God. I'm not prepared yet. I, I don't have enough education yet. I need to learn more. I, God, I need you to give me more faith. You know, and, and if you're a Christian, you already have everything you need to do whatever God calls you to do. Because God never calls you to do something that God has not prepared you to do. Now, sometimes we're surprised about it, and sometimes we're not fully aware of it, that we're ready. But when God calls us to follow, when God calls us to be faithful, God has already prepared us for that. And so, if you weren't, He wouldn't have asked you to do it. So, next time God says, would you, the correct response is, yes, I will. Because even if you have a little faith, a little faith, he says, you can say to that mulberry tree, be uprooted and go into the sea. And he says, that's enough faith. He says, you don't need more faith. You need to use the faith that you have. The reality is, folks, we have the Holy Spirit as a Christian. The Holy Spirit resides in us, and we have the gift of faith. And all you need to do is be faithful and show your faith by stepping out and relying on his strength, not your strength. And then Jesus, I just, you, you got to love the guy. I mean, Jesus, I mean, you, you just got to love Jesus. Because he has all of that conversation, and then it's like he just kind of flips gears on you here. He just kind of flips gears. When you get to the seventh verse, he says, Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after his sheep. Would he say to the servant, Come in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told? So you also, when you have done everything that you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. So, when we're faithful to God, you don't get a medal. When you're faithful to God, you... You know, you know, it's not bonus time. When we're faithful to God, it doesn't help pay for your salvation. Faithfulness following is merely part of the job description of a Christian. So he says, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be faithful because you've placed your faith in me. And if you've placed your faith in me, then that means you ought to follow me and be faithful. You know, when we get the feeling that something isn't quite right in our walk with God, it's not a lack, it's not that we lack faith, it's that we lack faithfulness. That's right. It's not that you lack faith, it's that you lack faithfulness. It's, 
when, when our, if our spiritual tanks are running low, you can't come on Sunday morning and say, okay, fill my tank up. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You, you, you can't come and blame the worship team because they didn't sing the right songs today. They, they, didn't, they didn't play them the way I was. It was too loud. It was too quiet. I didn't like them. You can't blame the worship team if you don't get filled up. You can't even blame the preacher. You can't blame the preacher and say, well, preacher, I didn't like what you preached. Fill me up. You know, you can't blame. The Holy Spirit dwells within the living being of every Christian. And the Holy Spirit is, is God's being in us. And God's works best within our own hearts if we let Him. And He says, I will work in your life if you will only let me. It's always amazing to me. Even when I talk to people, and people talk, um, you know, have you ever noticed that the people that are most spiritually mature are the people that are being faithful to God? And often I'll have somebody say, boy, if I just had the faith of old so-and-so, I'd do that. <laughs> well, old so-and-so probably ain't got a bit more faith than you've got. They're just using the faith they've got. You know, it's amazing, and they're the people that are doing what God wants them to do. They're living for Him, not for themselves. They're not concerned about the level in their own spiritual tank. They're not. I think sometimes, too many times in our life that we look at, oh, the spiritual levels, have, we better get the tank filled back up before something bad happens, and... And so we're worried about filling our own tank back up, but it never happens that way. The people that are out there not worried, you know, the low lights on, and they're still out there getting it, folks. The low lights on, and they're still out there um, serving. They, because they know God's not going to let their tank run out. God, they know that God's going to take care of them and that God's going to provide. I hope that in some way that that's the kind of perspective I have in my own life. That I realize that you don't get brownie points for any of this stuff, folks. It's what we are as Christians. We're to be faithful because we have faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We have faith in who our God is. We have faith that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have faith, and so therefore we are faithful. That's the kind of perspective that God desires from Live Oak Baptist Church. A place where we're so busy being faithful to God that we don't worry about how much faith we have. That we're simply exercising the faith that He's given to us. Because it's only when we start using the faith that you realize that the faith never runs dry. And that you have enough. You know, Christ says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Have you lost your life? See, I talk to a lot of Christians that, man, I, I want to live. Christ says, whoever loses his life for my sake finds the life. It's the life you're looking for, folks. It's a life of faith. It's a life of being faithful and following Jesus Christ. When we live that way, everything changes. We don't really need more in our spiritual faith tank. No, we really don't. We just need to simply trust what He's already put in the tank.